Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode two of season two of the Joni Mitchell podcast. I'm your host, Zachary Scott Johnson. Continuing with the theme of last episode, I'm speaking to another of Joni Mitchell's biographers today and a close friend of hers. This is Malcolm Marome in conversation today. Malcolm wrote a wonderful book called Joni Mitchell in Her Own Words, which is taken basically from three very long interviews that she did with Joni over the years. It's a fascinating book, and I highly recommend it. You can find it on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, and all sorts of places. The title, again, is Joni Mitchell in Her Own Words, and I really recommend that you check out this book. Please check out my YouTube project, which is the Song A Day Project. I record a song a day every day. It's run for over five years now, and I haven't missed a day. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to email me at Podcast at gmail.com. We're ready to start the show. I, I have to tell you, I really, really love your book. I really love your book on Joni Mitchell. I think well, it's... Please put it, on, please put it in the podcast. Oh, I will. <laughs> yeah, and in fact, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the title, which is Joni Mitchell in her own words. And I'm going um, to put a link to Amazon and any other, you know, Barnes & Noble and any yeah. other places you want me to. You can um, put the link also to my publisher. Yeah. Also, you know, or, yeah, also my... my um, my website, I mean, I know it is, yeah, my, my website has some information, but my publisher of Amazon is good, yes. Okay. It's, it's getting it's getting a second life now because there is more of an interest now because of Yafi's book, I guess. Yeah. You and he had an interesting, you, both you and, and Mr. Yaffe have something interesting, though, because you, you both have had access to Joni Mitchell. You've actually known Joni for, for many years. Um, she's a very good friend. She's one of my best friends. It's not the best friend. So one of the things I always like to ask people, my guests on this show, and I sometimes uh, forget until later on in the interview, is is whether they've ever seen Joni Mitchell perform live if they've ever seen her in concert now you have seen many many concerts and in fact you met her after a concert so can you That's tell us I met her. right can you tell us what that experience of seeing her that very first time before she was famous before she had a record deal what was that like well it, it really was a life-altering meeting uh, evening it was one of the as i, as I said in the, in the book uh, Johnny Mitchell in her own words in the introduction because the rest of the book is really a conversation between Johnny and me but I, I wrote the introduction to really give a background through both of us you know like how we met uh, how did our life inter, uh, how our life stories were interwoven in the music business in the in all kinds of, of life life it was more than almost 50 years now that we've been friends and so that happened in 66, I think, or 67. I'll have to reread the book to find out exactly the date. But anyway, one evening I had, it was a, a bad, bad evening in my personal life and in my professional life. I, I didn't want to drive home to return after work. I was doing a television show. I had a television show, Coast to Coast in Canada, right after the hockey game. And the variety show that I was singing. And so I stopped at the local coffee shop, a coffee house, I should say, in Toronto called the Riverboat. And to just have a coffee and just relax, rest a little bit afterwards. It was very late at night. Uh, the village, as we called Yorkville in those, in those days, was, was empty. It was late at night. The place was empty also. There were only the servers in the coffee house. And then on the stage was a girl, very young girl, blonde, just fiddling with her guitar or so it seemed. I thought she was one of the waitresses, the servers, you know, just taking the stage to just get that experience. Maybe she was dreaming of being a singer or something. I didn't know who it was. There was no name. I didn't check if there was a name on the marquee outside. I didn't check it. And so I didn't know who this girl was, and I just, you know, I was drinking. I was asking them to serve me a cappuccino. They had another cappuccino. She was still tuning, believe me, and also so many, so long. And so I didn't pay attention, and then she started to sing. And it blew my mind. She was singing 
Ahede King. Do you know that song? Oh, I do. I love that song. Well, I was just, for months, I was really like on the verge of leaving my husband. I didn't have the, the nerve because I had two young children and I was, my family was all in Israel. I was all alone in Canada. And, uh, and I couldn't stay in the marriage, but I couldn't. I didn't, I was stuck. I didn't, couldn't leave, couldn't stay. And then she said, I had a king who carried me off this country for marriage too soon. And that was as if she was describing my life. And she was singing, I cannot stay there anymore. The keys won't fit to the door. You know, and I was saying, well, this is it. I cannot stay in that marriage anymore. Let's just start to weep. You know, like, I mean, I really put my hand over my mouth. So I mean, this thinking, who is this person? This young girl, where did she find these songs? I didn't know anything about her. So, of course, I, 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 I was weeping and crying. And even she said, edge for going. I mean, the whole set was like she was singing for me, you know. Of course, this is an experience that many, many people who listen to Joni, who experience Joni's songs, experience it on a very personal level, as if she's singing to you alone. Right. It's really amazing how many stories I hear from people that she affected their lives in such a manner that I knew I had to leave my husband after hearing this song. Right. And Urge for Going, <laughs> do you know that song? It's one of the first songs she recorded. Yeah. It's a terrific song. And uh, so I rent her afterwards, and I just, I, I was probably, I mean, I thought that was probably hysterical. I, I was so happy to find someone singing such amazing songs. I said, who are you? Johnny Mitchell, she said, Johnny Mitchell, who wrote your song? She said, I wrote them. I said, you wrote them? My God, you are just a kid, such as, well, I was much older than her, but you know, to have such wise songs coming out from such a young girl, when she was in her 20s, early 20s, mid-20s, I think, then unbelievable, she wrote it when she was in her early 20s. But both sides now, early 20s, I had a king. I mean, unbelievable, it's like a Mozart, you know, I mean, unbelievable such amazing music and lyrics coming out of her in such a beautiful way. I mean, she's a fabulous, fabulous musician mm-hmm. and singer. So I came to her and I said, John Mitchell, let me tell you, you are an immense, immense talent. And if even bigger than, even as big if not bigger than Leonard Cohen and, and Bob Dylan, and she kept saying, yeah, I said, yeah. I said, by the way, my name is Malka. She said, I know you. At that time, I was like at the height of my 15 minutes of fame in Canada. Right. So, I mean, I was everywhere. And television, radio, and paint, you know. So she knew me, but I didn't know. She just started, you know. I was in the middle of it. And uh, she, she kept saying, yeah, yeah. So I, the next day, I was trying to get my, uh, the, the, the PIAP, uh, my recording, A&R man from uh, Capitol Records, Capitol EMI, I recorded with them a few albums. And he said, what? I'm not coming. I mean, who is this Johnny Mitchell? I said, you will be famous if you will discover her and record her. I promise you. He said, no, I never heard of her. I said, that's why you'll discover her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It took all of my persuasion to bring her over, to bring him over there. And of course, it, she, you, you don't know. Have you ever, have you ever been to a live performance of Johnny? I've not. I, I, it's one of the biggest regrets that I have. But she had mostly stopped touring. Um, by the time, the only time she ever really played near me was she did a tour with Bob Dylan and Van Morrison around 2000 or so. I want to say. Yes, yes. Actually, I think it was even before that. It was about 1998 or so. And I was in high school at the time, and the concert was down in Chicago, and I just couldn't convince my parents to let me go. And at the time, I was a little upset about it, but I remember thinking, well, I'd also like to see Joni when it's like a full Joni concert. And the idea of her being sandwiched in between Van Morrison and Bob Dylan, who I also, of course, have great respect for, but... Um, I thought there would be another chance to see her live. And of course, I, I hope there still is. But 
um, you know, I know she had mostly given up touring. I think touring had kind of lost its uh, appeal to her by that point, probably. And um, so, no, I've never seen her live. So, and now, in, at that particular time, especially before she had all this uh, automatic guitar tuning, now it was just a regular classic guitar. Right. And so she, she really took a long time to because she has this crazy tuning. So this guy from Capitol, Capitol Records, uh, he just couldn't wait. He just kept tapping his fingers. Dot, 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 dot. When is she going to? No, no stage presence. Everybody look at the place. It's half empty. Blah, 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 blah. And you know, he didn't stay. He said, she'll amount to nothing. <laughs> she'll amount to nothing because she has no, she doesn't know to sell a song. Look at how long I have to wait until she sings. So, of course, he did he even in her tuning, in her search for the tuning, it was, even that was, uh, had some amazing tension to it, too, because you didn't know what was she searching. I mean, don't forget, it was before anybody knew that she had this amazing tuning. Right. It was at the beginning. Now everybody knows that Johnny has this amazing tuning, open tuning, that, and all kinds of things that really have given her music a special and unique flavor. At that time, nobody knew it. It was just at the beginning of her career, so he didn't know. But to me, as a musician, I was just curious about what the heck is she looking for? It was like she was searching for the right tone of the song. And oh, it was, I, I just, so here he mentioned, you know, it is such a tragedy because had, had he recorded there and had she had the hit so many years sooner, maybe she could have kept her daughter, eh? Right. So timing is everything, eh? Yeah, well, but it, it, I had no doubt from the first moment I saw her. I had no doubt. I thought that if the world of the arts doesn't recognize this genius, this amazing, amazing genius, immense talent, then I didn't want to have anything to do with it. Right. And it took two years, you know, since the time that I saw her, that Judy Collins recorded some of her songs. And uh, for her to come out, really, to, to, to gain two years, two very difficult years, very difficult. And it was plain to see right there and then that she's, she's an amazing songwriter, amazing musician, terrific singer. I mean, really, she blew me over yeah. from the first minute. And, you know, the strangest thing is, you know, you know, when you're an unknown and somebody you know and, and that is obviously respect, tells you how it reaffirms your talent. She obviously remembers it. You know, I called her seven years later. Right. Uh, because I switched to journalism in my life. I had to, to, to leave uh, the road because my kids were at that age where they needed a mother near them. Um, I was a single mother that I told you I didn't <laughs> left my husband. <laughs> Partly because, you know, the purpose was this, this song of Johnny's. And so I, I, so I phoned her to, you know, the CBC said, well, we were really glad you take an interview with Johnny Mitchell. She didn't give any interviews at that time. Right. So I phoned her. I phoned, I didn't know how to reach her because I, I you know, after this, I, I used, I went every night when she performed in concert at that gig. But afterwards, we lost, you know, I lost touch with her. My life was very, you know, like in a turmoil then and her life also. So we lost touch with each other. But I called her office, management office, recording, and then switched me to management office. And I said, I'd like to speak to Johnny Mitchell. She said, who is calling? Malka. She said, does she know you? I said, I don't know. Just ask her to tell her that it's Malka. I figured, well, what do I have got to lose? You know, maybe she will remember. She was very, very big star. She was rehearsing at that time, Corbin Spark. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> Talk about timing, eh? Yeah, that's good timing. And uh, and and they said, hold on a minute. So I guess she was at the office there, or what? It was maybe the studio that I thought. Because she got on the phone, she said, Malka, how nice to hear from you. As if it was just yesterday that I uh, that we met. Unbelievable, her memory. And uh, and I told her, Johnny, listen, I just bought the house. And uh, I need, I have a terrifically big mortgage and I need to make some money. Can I come to interview you for the CBC? 
Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. So sure, but you know, I'm rehearsing now, so it might not go, so that it might not be such a good time. I said, what, if it's okay with you, I'll come anyway. So sure, come, I'd love to see you. And that's how the first interview happened. The transcript of this, of course, is in Joni Mitchell in her own words. The first interview, 1973. Right. And, and then... Uh, the second one was after she did the, the jazz album, you know. Right. And the third one was when in 2012, when I said to her, Johnny, I think, you know, my publisher said that he would love a book about interviews. So how would you like to have an interview of us already after 40 years? <laughs> she said, sure, let's go for it. Well, and so those, those three interviews comprise Johnny's really it comprises and well it's all Johnny right of course just our conversation just as I have a conversation with you right just to 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 good very good friends so many years it really had very cheap key moments in our lives right that first interview that you did um, around what was it 1973 or 1974 was take before she went up to with the LA Express with the, with the record Cotton Spark. Right. So that interview took place over about five days, right? Yes. All, all the interviews were between three or five days. Okay. You know, because sometimes, you know, like with Joni, she has, definitely not, not a linear person, right? She goes into tangents, and the tangents are the most wonderful to go with her in. in to, to accompany her on her, the, her her thinking process, how she tries to to respond to a question is really an amazing journey. I mean, the, the woman is, is is eloquent in in her day to day talk language. As she is in her poetry. I mean, she is an amazing, unbelievable uh, recontour. Right. As, as you, in the book, I mean, she's just amazing. So I, I would listen to what she said overnight, you know, and then do follow-up questions. And she, I tell you, really, I've interviewed many, many, many people, artists and politicians, leaders, world leaders, and uh, she is the most generous of all the people that I interviewed. Most generous and not a false note well and it helps that you had a relationship that she felt comfortable with you and that you met her in a circumstance basically as a fan and a friend first because that probably put her at ease rather than just another interviewer I would assume I wasn't a friend I was a total stranger we were a total stranger when we first met I mean she knew me professionally from television from records but uh, we never did meet before. Right. She knew me from the stage. I didn't know her at all. She, she, it was the first time she appeared in Toronto. Right, right. The riverboat. No, no, I didn't know her. I mean, she was. that was the whole thing. I was freaking out that this unknown was such an, an amazing talent. Right. Well, speaking of her um, wonderful ability to converse one of the things I'm curious about because I've never met Joni one of the things and I I don't imagine that I'll ever have the opportunity to meet Joni necessarily but one of the things that I always kind of wondered about was what Joni is like you know when when you're not recording for an interview when you're just being friends together is she similar to how she comes across in interviews or is she different does she I tell you, Joni is, is a very fun, fun person. She, she is really, she is extremely generous as a, to strangers. I mean, she she doesn't have any bodyguard. She walks around like without any bodyguard, any any inter, somebody interfering. And people walk over to her and they, they say, she, she listens. They say, Joni, I must tell you, you know, like, I love your music, you know, you change my life, or whatever, you know, people say. She listens, she, she responds, she carries the conversation, she doesn't, you know, time is really the most precious thing we have, and she is extremely generous with her time. She's got a terrific sense of humor, I must tell you. Yeah. Do you... That's another thing that you don't really know. Uh, 
that it might not be conveyed because like they're feeling like she's the the part of angst and all this thing. Oh, she's a terrific sense of humor. You might know it was I'm a, a I'm a radio. You know that song? Yeah. It's all just a lark, you know, because somebody bet her that she cannot write a she would not be able to write a commercial song. Right. Well, and you know. That seems to be one of the things that she... I remember her saying at in some interview somewhere, you know, nobody thinks I'm fun because I write all these very serious songs, but she's, she is fun and she's always viewed herself as fun. Yeah, she's, she's fun. She likes to drink. She likes to dance. She's a terrific uh, uh, player, you know. Oh, she likes to play games, you know. You know, she's really a fabulous, you know, she's a lot of fun. You know, why do you think <laughs> it's good to be friends with her? She's a terrific girl. Yeah. Just for fun. She's not uh, heavy in, in, regular, in regular life, but she doesn't talk nonsense. Sure. For instance, I'll give you one sentence, for instance. You know, it's, it's in the course of a conversation, she, she writes, I, I asked her, what does freedom mean to you, right? She said, freedom to me is a luxury of being able to follow the path of the heart, to keep the magic in your life. Freedom is necessary for me in order to create. And if I cannot create, I don't feel alive. Wow. <laughs> That's how she talks. You know, really. Yeah. You know, she, you know, and, you know in one of the reviews for, for this book, which is, the book is really, what is this book? It's, an, it's all in Johnny's words, you know. So it's really an insight into the creative, into her creative process. That is over over forty years of of dealing with this, trying to to to. It's really a little bit of an insight into the mystery of uh, Johnny Mitchell and her genius. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's not fingers like this all the time because she, the circus review was, was saying it, you know, like again and again. She's a candid. In, 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 uh, in the book, in the prose, as she is sometimes cryptic in her lyrics, revelatory, nervy, emotional, and uh, emotionally and existentially raw. The gifted, adventurous musician talks as brilliantly as she writes and sings. That, yeah. is, that, that is absolutely true. Yeah, no. That is in her personal life also. I mean, just going out to dinner or something or just uh, shooting the breeze. Right. Well, one of the things that I think we're all pretty curious about, especially over the last couple of years um, since her since her brain aneurysm, is how is she doing, you know, in in conversations that you've had with her since? How is how are things going for her? It's going well. You know, she's Good. getting better all the time. Good. That's what we're all... They're getting better, really. Yeah. Good. That's what we're all just hoping to hear, that it keeps getting better. It seems like she's making more and more public appearances, so that's obviously yeah, a good she, sign. She walks out, she, she goes out, sure, she loves to go out. She likes to have a good time. She's only the girl who likes to have a good time. I mean, it's a misconception when you think she's like, all, oh, oh. <laughs> no, she loves, she's, she's got many facets, many colors, just like her songs and her music. Right. And you know, she's very, very gutsy. I mean, really, uh, more, you have to be more gutsy to get you without the respect, Zachary, really. It is very, very tough. You know, to be a woman musician, oh God, she had to endure a lot, you know. You, people are talking now about sexual inequality and sexual harassment, you know. She describes in the book about the guy jerking off in, the music, in one of the music producers. Such a, such a culture. Right. But in front of everybody. Right. I mean... It's 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 such. A, she had to overcome hurdles that neither Dylan nor 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 uh, Cohen had to endure. Really, and had she been a man, she would have been ahead of those two. I'm sure. I'm I'm with so, you a hundred percent. I think she really had to overcome so much. And even then, look at the guts of this woman. Cotton Sparks, such a huge album, and not. You would think everybody says, please do another one. Why not? You know? Right. No. It goes to new things, trying to break new new norms, new things with, you know, with the, the Jacob stories. I mean, it's, it's amazing what you did after Gordon Spark. 
It is. And it's also um, really courageous that she was only willing to follow the muse. And I suspect, I mean, I don't know this for sure, but I suspect that she knew that after making Court and Spark, making a record like Hissing of Summer Lawns, that some of her fans that basically that wasn't a record for everybody in the same way that court and spark was and and hissing of summer lawns was her way of saying this is where i need to go this is the direction i'm i'm feeling she may not have even thought this out in in such a way but i've always felt like her courage in making an album like mingus that was a rec you know that's a record bob dylan was never going to make that's a record leonard cohen was never going to make and I do too. I love their work. I, I do too. Do. Yeah. I, I adore their work, but how can you compare the musicality of those two giants with Joni? Absolutely. I mean, she's uh, <laughs> way above and beyond them. Uh, they would be the, fr- the, the first to admit it. I mean, it's, it's really something that, that musically speaking, let alone the. The, the topics that she was touching on, you know, really. Right. Well, I can... In the most original manner and very poetic. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind the... I, I sort of think that it's wonderful that Bob got the Nobel Prize for Literature, but I think Joni deserved it just as much. I do, too. Obviously, I host a podcast on Joni Mitchell, so I'm, I'm inclined to, <laughs> to feel that way. But, you know... I consider this a feminist podcast. I I know that's kind of strange because I'm a 35-year-old man, but I I view this as, you know, exactly what you were describing, a woman having to work harder to to stake her place in in and her work has been as consistently, if not more consistently, uh, you know, at at such a high level as anybody, as Bob Dylan, as Leonard Cohen, as John Lennon and Paul McCartney, as all these guys, and yet to a certain... Oh, yeah, I, I really think she's a, she's a giant. I'm really, I really think super giant. You know, I tell you, that was the only time in my life that I was right, when I said that she will, <laughs> she, she will be as big a star and as big a, a, big a, a talent to recognize. As, as Leonard and, and, jo- and Bob Dylan. I, I've been wrong most of my life on most things, but not when it came to Johnny, <laughs> to, to really foreseeing Johnny's arc right. in music and, and poetry. I mean, I knew that was a major, major, major talent right. when I first heard her sing. Well, you know, as long as we're talking, we've been we've been talking about Bob Dylan. One of the many interesting stories that I found in your book was that you traveled with Joni on the the thunder the thunder review, yeah, yeah. So Bob Dylan thunder Bob Dylan's thunder review, yeah. And so yes. she introduced you to Bob Dylan by saying, "Hey, yes. b- hey, Bobby, here's the first person I know who who doesn't want to meet you." Sure, I mean, really, I mean, people meet backstage. So, it's okay, you can say, I, I really enjoyed your concert or something. But the truth of the matter is that I didn't even hear his concert because I was backstage with Johnny, you know, catching up on the latest. Right. You know, I came, I came to the Sesame tickets so we could speak a little bit, like, because this was like a four-hour concert with many, many, many artists. Rolling Thunder Review, that was the name of it. Yeah, thank you. So I, I didn't really listen to his car. I couldn't even say that was great. I just listened to one or two songs. Uh, <laughs> and so what is, I don't understand why people go backstage to tell you the truth, unless they're good friends or family members, you know. So I didn't want to go through. I mean, it, I, I, I feel it is really like sort of like, almost like a groupie thing when somebody goes uh, goes uh, backstage if you don't know the person. Right. So I... I sort of like, I never enjoyed it. So I didn't want to go. She literally grabbed me by the head. She got such a big kick of it that I didn't want to meet Bob Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> and she threw it back to his face. He was flabbergasted, I must tell you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Did did you travel on much of that tour? Did you do the whole thing with? No, no, no. I just I just was joining. I didn't travel with her. I just came backstage when she was in, when they were in Toronto. I was with her. Every oh, night. okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, just to keep her company, you know, it's a long wait. You know, there are many, many artists. 
Right, right. A long wait for two, three songs, you know. So just to keep the company and just to, to talk and to laugh and to, we used to smoke cigarettes at that time. Oh my God, we were so young. <laughs> <laughs> One of the other. I want to tell you something yeah. about you mentioned this book, you know. I must tell you that it, it was published by a small Canadian publisher called ECW. The people, it's a small publishing house. Did you, do you have the book there? Or did you read the book? Or did you... I did. Uh, did I'm, it's I'm a in beautiful the, book, right? It is. It's fantastic. Because it's got Johnny's uh, photos, beautiful photos in full color, and also some of her paintings and uh, and her lyrics are in the book. And so, you know, it's a very expensive book to put out. And this small house... So the people in Canada, they're so crazy about Joni. I think more because she's Canadian, maybe. And, uh, and anyway, in that publishing house, there's so much love that they put into this book. I, I, I have to give them credit, you know. I don't know if a big publishing would, would, would pour so much love and so much beauty into, into, a, into a, a book. You know, really, just beautiful. They did a fabulous job with it. Yeah. It's it's a lovely book. I also got it. So I'm in the process of of moving. Actually, I just moved this past weekend, and so it's one of those situations where every all of my possessions are in boxes in different places. And so I wanted to brush up, of course, before this interview. And so I also got the audio version. I got it on on Audible, and i I like the I, I like the Audible version of it too because I I like the reader. I think she does a really nice job with that. That's great. I'm so glad you do. You know, really, I think, I think that uh, especially for young people who really didn't grow up at the time that Johnny was writing this song, I get a special sense of um, immense pleasure from the young people who really discovered Johnny. Right. And especially since the music speaks to them, you know, the timelessness of it, really of the blue album uh, of almost all the, especially the albums that didn't receive were not received so very well at that time now they are so popular right i mean it's as if you know like she was ahead of her time she was very ahead of her she's always been ahead of her time you know but you know i think that it, the reason that she that she can connect her work can connect to so many people now uh, i'm talking about people of different generations than mine and hers I think it's because it was it came from the true space, sort of like Mozart, let's say. If you know, if you like music, you 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 about to love Mozart. It's timeless, and I think that her work is timeless, really. I think that we can speak about it now, since really she didn't write anything for the last 10, 20 years, you know. And her early music is just as popular as her later music now. And I don't mean popular like uh, Beyonce or, or whom I, I think she's also terrific, but not popular like, you know what I mean? She's sort of popular with people who really make music. Right. With artists, you know, a lot of people who, who like to play and to sing music and to write music. I think this, whatever she conveys in uh, in her own words, in the Johnny Mitchell, in her own words, I think it's almost a must for somebody who, for a creative person to read. Because she gives you almost, she, she, she really is so generous, she, she conveys almost the posture that her, uh, an artist has to be in order to create paintings or, or writing or music, you know, like it's a certain way that you have to live in order for the news, the news to visit you. Right. Do you know has has Joni written anything in the last since since Shine? Has she written any music? Do you know? You know. You know what happens when you are friends. When you talk about how do, what do you talk about with your closest friends? You don't just talk about what you write, right? Right. Yeah, that's true. You know, somebody who doesn't know her might ask questions like that. You know, but I, I don't. Uh, I, I I listen to what she has to tell me, like in her life today. Sure. You know, when I phoned her last week or whatever, since last time we talked, or uh, yesterday, or to what her plans are, you know, but it's very personal, you know. Um, so it's, I, I really, when, I, when I'm when i working or when she talks to me about what she's writing on, 
But I know that she, she was, even after shine, she didn't. Johnny didn't, uh, writing for Johnny was a, a way of life. It's not that she just decides to write. Right. It was almost like a compulsion. And she stopped because it didn't come. She, she didn't even pursue it. It just gushed out of her, I think. But, but she did, you know, like she would sit, you know, like she worked very hard, extremely hard. Yeah. Well, I always got the sense, too, that because she is uh, interested and has always been so prolific at painting as well, that she has... She looked at different, uh, painting and music, but to her it was the same thing almost. Right. But she looked at it, and she mentions it in the book, that uh, she, she looked like a farmer, you know, to make the earth, so <laughs> you give it a rest. That's what she does, is when the music, music wouldn't come, she went to painting. Right. And she's also a very good cook, you know. I I did not know that. That's that's a little insight. <laughs> yes, you know I, I I have I have a theory that uh, talent comes in bunches like grapes. Okay. And uh, and, and there it comes in paintings, in her case, music and poetry and cooking. Interesting. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> well, she has multiple creative outlets, and so it's probably been. Um, it, you know, like it, like you say, if if the writing isn't feeling like it's it's right now, she has other things that she can do, and and when it's time for the writing, it's time for the writing. But that's just one of those things that is fans yeah. who have no connection to her, of course. That you know, as you might suspect, that's a that's a question that we would be curious about. And you know, she also has a talent for picking up people with talent. Sure, people with talent. Extraordinary talent. I think, for instance, Henry Louis, who recorded with her, I think about 14 or 15 albums, her first albums, who was her recording engineer, fabulous talent. And he is what, he, he really uh, was very supportive of her. She could really experience, he, let, he gave her the, one of the few men who really gave her the space and invited originality from her. And uh, the one, Jacob Pastoris, great uh, musician. She picked him up because she wanted the bass player to do something for her. I mean, I'm just relating to, to you what she told me, and it's in the book, anybody can read it. In, in the way she tells it, believe me, it's <laughs> a hundred million times more uh, fascinating than what I can tell her because her language is like no way can I even come close to the, to portraying what she was saying but she said that he was so frustrated he couldn't do what she wanted he said he said it's not done you cannot do it she said there is only one crazy bassist that I know who would do this stuff and he is in Miami in Florida so she called to Jocko like this and that's how they started to work together he introduced her to Jocko but that's just totally related to her that she was also crazy like she was right you know crazy in a good way you know what i mean oh yeah yeah i mean he's one like in being unique and original oh yeah and he took an instrument you know the bass which is not a solo instrument and almost turned it into a solo instrument i mean what he did with the bass was amazing i don't think there's anybody who's done what he did with her songs Right. She made him famous, really, by working with her, he became famous. Right. Of, of course, the bass players knew about him, but once he worked with her, that's it. He could really, what a shame, he died so young, my God. Yeah. But John Guerin had the drummer in the, in the LA Express, in the Cotton Spark, who was her boyfriend at the time that I, that I flew to Los Angeles to interview her for the first interview. I mean, he told me that uh, how... He called it, you know, he was the first one to annotate her music because she did, she had no notes of the music. It was all done by ear. And uh, and he wrote it down and he said, I mapped her music because she wrote it, she switched keys so very often and she did it in such an orthodox, unorthodox manner. He said, I mapped her music. Now I think to map Johnny's music, uh, which means to annotate it, you know, I mean, that was really a labor of love, to be the first one to do that. Wow. 
right. you know, a labor of love. And he really was a fantastic drummer. And, uh, and you know, all the guys they were great. Yeah, that was it's a great thing. Really kind of talent to pick up terrific musicians and say, uh, and uh, just support people, really. Right. Uh, engineers and Ray Louis. They're making a documentary about him now. Just a great engineer. Oh, cool. Yes, I, I tell you, I always, uh, I mean, I just, as you can tell, I really, I, 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 was, I was completely intrigued and amazed and absolutely like my jaw dropped and crying from the excitement of first encounter. And it hasn't been lost to me, even now when I listen to it, so many, many decades, years later, even decades later, still, it's still fresh to me. Right. Which is a major, major artist of our, especially our generation, our time, you know. So I'm very glad that people recognize her still today. Extremely glad because I think she really paved the way for, especially for women artists. And here in your case, I hear from men also the same. She really is an inspiration. Really, I find it was inspiring to me as a mentor of sex when I wrote when I, I really edited, you know, her, the interviews, you know, just I let her flow, let her flow, let her say it in her own unique, incredibly <laughs> candid way and generous. Yeah. And then I don't have the words to describe what the gift this woman has been, not only to me, but anybody who loves music and poetry. Absolutely. She's the reason that I do what I do, you know, I mean, and... Yeah, you see? Amazing, you see how wonderful to hear so many people say that. Go ahead, tell me. Well, that you know, when I, I, I think I knew from the age of of I first of all, I, I found her music when I was pretty young. I found it when I was about nine years old, and um, it grabbed me in the same way that she she grabbed you. I had never heard anybody like Joni Mitchell before, and you know, one of the things that is interesting i think about about me compared to a lot of my peers a lot of my friends and and my wife too is you know a lot of people when they're in their 20s and their 30s are trying to figure out who they are and what they're going to be i've known since i was nine years old what i was going to be and the reason i've known since i was nine years old is because of joni mitchell and it's because i had never heard somebody do what she did and I needed to find my version of that. I needed to find my way of doing that. And so I'm a singer-songwriter too. And, you know, that's something that is is part of my life because of Joni Mitchell. And so this podcast is my way of of thanking her. And I hope somehow she hears it. You know, I hope somehow she is aware of it. Or, or I don't know. Maybe she wouldn't approve of it. I don't know. But... Um, yeah. Oh, I would love that. I would love that. Um, she's. No, she's really. You know, we've, we've been very fortunate to have her in our lives. Absolutely. I mean, she's. I find it really. I really recommend anybody who wants to really have a life in, in the arts, no matter what avenue—painting, poetry, novel writing, anything. You know, the acting, singing. Right. When really did it... explore her writing. Yeah. Because she's so inspiring, as you, as you well know from your personal experience. Right. Well, and it's so interesting too that she um, that she's really touched on all those avenues, even dance. You know, in 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 her later box sets that she's that she's released, a lot of them have been you know for ballet companies. It's been you know like even. Have you seen the ballet? I haven't. It hasn't. It hasn't. Um, I get it on YouTube. You know. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, well, I'll check that I out. I think you can. Okay, I didn't know Maybe that. Not. That's good to know. Yeah, oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, especially she was, she loved doing that. Oh, God, she just, she was so passionate. And she was just doing this. This was in Calgary Ballet. Just great. Yeah. Just beautiful. I, I have one last question. I'll leave it up to you whether you want to answer it, actually. This is just a question that I ask everybody, but because you know Joni, it might be harder for you to answer. So I'll leave it up to you whether you want to or not. But I always ask people for their top five Joni lists. So do you have, you know, five favorite records of hers, or is that too difficult? It is too difficult. Okay. I feel about her song like I feel about my kids. I know. I know. I do, too. <laughs> 
That's why I ask other people. I, I, I like for free, for instance, or the cactus tree. Uh-huh. Uh, of course, I have a special feeling for Heather King, uh, Earth for Going, and, and the, late, the latest. But I really, I really cannot urge a song for Sharon. You know, I can name so many songs. When I say one, I said, oh, no, let, uh, let me name this one. Let me name that one. <laughs> no, I really, I find, you know, really, the dog eat dog, for instance. Many people... Uh, hand this uh, album and I love it. I love the music on it, you know, I love that album. I wish that somebody would write an album in the political climate now. Right. You know, uh, something like that, you know. Maybe they didn't, I'm not aware of it, but uh, no, I cannot. Uh, <laughs> you can play any song that you like. Okay. That's that's okay. I like you know that song, and I was so busy being free. I think it's a cactus I love that song. That's one of my favorites too. Yes. It is and hard. Song for sure, and I adore, you know, of course. Yeah. But I can I can just go throughout the whole the whole thing, you know. She did, she did put a, an interesting. The the last thing that she did was a was a box set. Yeah. Of all kinds of things that are not in her own way. She wanted to give tribute to songs that, that didn't receive very good reviews. Right. I thought that was typically Johnny. I did too. And you know, I, there was something about that. I think I've said this before on the podcast actually, but there was something about hearing that sequence of songs because you would hear something from you know a record from the early 70s and then you would hear one of the like orchestral songs right after it and it would kind of bounce back and forth in such a way that was so interesting and told such a unique story even though i knew every single one of those songs on the box set i that box set is amazing because of the sequencing and because of the timing of everything it really is wonderful so very hard on it, you know. I, I, I love the liner notes. You read them, it's yeah. great. Yep. It's really well, listen. You I'm can very tell. The world is very fortunate to have this in our, you know, she in is. our midst, you know, that we really are. Yeah. Very, very fortunate. And I'm so curious to know, what a shame I cannot live a few hundred years, because I'd like to know what would happen a hundred years from now. <laughs> I, I, I'm curious, too. But I think there's going to be a handful of people that survive, and I think she's going to be one of them. Because I think yes. I think the breadth of her work is just too important to be forgotten. Yes, and very, very... Well, of course, you know, you have Woodstock. I mean, yeah. you forget there's such richness, both sides, you know. How can you just choose from such a rich uh, bounty, really? Wow. Yeah, it's wonderful. Well, Malka, I can't thank you enough. I have to say, you know, when when I have interviewees who I've not met in real life before, sometimes they can. Sometimes it's a lot of fun, and sometimes it's just an interview and you're done. This was such a pleasant conversation. I, this was such a nice hour to spend with you. I I thank you so much for it. It was really nice to talk to you. Well, same here, Zachary. I wish you all the best. Very creative uh, and joyful experience with, with your songwriting and in your life. All the best to you, really. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much. I'm not saying it, just for a saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Take care and enjoy. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. been out sailing a decade full of dreams he takes her to his school and he treats her like a queen bearing beads from California with their amber stones and green he has called her from the harbor he has kissed her with his freedom He has heard her off to starboard, breaking and the breathing of the forest winds, while she was so busy being free. There's a man who's climbed a mountain and he's calling out her name, and he hopes her heart can hear. Three thousand miles he calls again 
He can't think of their beside He can't miss her just the same He is Mr. in the forest While he showed her all the flowers And the branches sang the chorus As he climbed the scaly towers Of the forest trees While she was somewhere being free There's a man who sent her letters He's waiting for reply He has asked her of his traps Since the day he said goodbye He writes, I wish you were beside me We can make it if we try He has seen her in the office With her name on all his papers from the sharing of the prophets You'll find it hard to shake it From his memory While she was so busy being free There's a lady in the city She thinks she loves them all There's a one who's thinking of There's a one who sometimes calls There's a one who writes those letters With his facts and figures scrawled She has brought them to her senses They have laughed inside her laughter now she rallies her defenses For she fears that one will ask her For eternity And she is too busy being free There's a man who sent her medals He's bleeding from the war There's a jouster and a jester and the man who owns the store There's a drummer and a dreamer And you know them maybe more She will love them when she sees them They will lose her if they follow And she only means to please them And her heart is full and hollow Like a captain She's so busy being free